But so, so this morning, church, it's been such a delight for Kelly and I having been with you and with uh, Victory over this equip period of coming in and tag-teaming with Tim and sharing God's Word with you and, and being in a moment like this where it's so good to see and be and go to get around and see the body of Christ over this country, over George, over the nation that we are in, and for the God's Word to be proclaimed in all these equips that are around the country. It's, it's great, isn't it? Yes. That you, you can actually, instead of looking at a screen, you can touch the person. They're squashy. It's not like yes. static, you know? <laughs> and and that's what fellowship is about, and it's so important. And thank you for having us in. It's so delightful. Friends talking last night about way back when things were, when the school was just a few kids, you know? And then you inherited these guys, you know, we pray for you guys. But, <laughs> but we've known them for a long time too, and it's so good to see you. And so this morning I'm bringing the Word of God, I, I don't know what to call it, I think it's just Jesus. Because I want to bring us with evangelism, I notice this isn't equipped, but this is a local church too. So to meld the two together, so it's Old Testament, New Testament, two, of, two sets of scriptures from each, and the whole thing is I just want us to focus back on who this incredible Lord is that we sang about just now. So if you'd come with me to Mark chapter 1, and uh, there's going to be a little bit moving around in the Bible, and if the word is not preached, then don't listen to them. So when the word is preached and referred to, you need to listen because it's his word that is there. So Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, um, the reason why I'm sharing this is because it's around the first encounter that Jesus had with someone other than P Peter's mother-in-law, because he preached in the synagogue. They're amazed at his preaching. They heard him in Mark 121, a man with such authority that he, even the demons listened to him, and that never happened in the local church, that that church was that he was invited in. As a synagogue, which I just classify as that time's church. Um, and, and they were amazed at his teaching as one having authority, and they discussed among themselves, where did he get this, and is this a new teaching? And, and the answer to that is, no, he taught the word. <laughs> he, he referred to the gospel. He referred to himself as the one that the Spirit of the Lord's upon because he's anointed me for that. And stuff started happening. He leaves there, Peter's mother-in-law, he raises her up, he stood over her and spoke to her and raised her up. That's authority by standing over, not with, over. It's his position of authority in the heavenlies right now, over us as the body of Christ. Then there's this encounter with leprosy. So it's, he preached, he touched one person, and now encounters the most sick person on the planet in that time, which was a leper, because there was no hope. There was just death. You, you are, if you are a leper, you are sentenced to death by the priest. Basically that. It's your funeral. You, you, sorry, you've got leprosy. Boom, that's it. That's your funeral song. So here he is, verse 35, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went into the, the hills to pray. And Simon and his companions searched for him. They found him and said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go somewhere else for nearby towns, for that's why I've come. And he went into the synagogue throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him, begging him. 
and falling on his knees before him, said, saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Just a couple of things there. This leper came to him. It's a good thing to do when you're sick is come to Jesus. He asked him a question. Um, are you willing to make me whole? Are you willing to make me clean? Is it your will to heal me? Jesus said, yes. Point number two, is this God's will to heal? Yes. Does he heal everyone? Not always. Because those who come to him do get healed. And those who come to listen to him did get healed. Those who came to him just for a quick fix didn't get healed. It's there in the Bible. Wherever it says, and they came to hear him and to be healed, those in the Bible were healed. Because faith, hearing, he sent his word to heal. Psalm 10720, I think it is. He sent his word to heal them. There's power in the word, God's word that has the ability to deliver what it carries. The word of God is like a vehicle. It's a capsule. Not a gospel, but it is the gospel. And you take pills, and the pill is a plastic sheet, but what's inside it is what comes into you. And the Word of God is very similar because it is sent, and faith comes by hearing. That's a capsule, but hearing. And that's what's inside the capsule. And so it delivers what it is. The unfolding of your words brings light. It releases what it carries. He sent His Word and healed them. He watched over His Word to perform it. They went out and preached everywhere, and God confirmed his word that they preached. You see, there's something in the power of God's word that the church carries that we, is that when we understand and have great respect for this, revival begins to happen within us. So he did. He did that. And notice that his healing was a declaration. I am. Be healed. You know, it's like, is that all? Isn't there not a little ceremony around this thing that we can, you know, make it very special? You know, flowers, bells, piano in the background. No, it says, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately, he received what he said. 90% of ministry is getting people ready to receive what he's already done. It's according to your faith, friends. It's according to your faith. And so, our job as ministers is to get you to the point where you are so ready to have everything that he has, like a bird, open, little fledgling bird with waiting for what the mother bird, the father bird brings to drop in. And they trust implicitly whatever their parent bird drops. You know, they could drop something pretty powerful, a scorpion, and that doesn't help. But if it's a, they just trust, implicitly trust. And that trust is what happens between the, the leaders that are here and the ones that come and bring the word to you. We are to be mouth open, so our God, fill me satisfy me so that I can also fly and go. So that leprosy, but I like the scientific side of this because leprosy, having been in the medical field, microbacterium leprae is not a nice thing to have. It eats flesh. It's a flesh eater. How's that? You rot and you live. And so, you know, the, the priest said, you have leprosy. You are a rotting corpse waiting to die. The lights go up, that's it. Sorry, it's a bit morbid, but you know, it's a reality, isn't it? But here, leprosy encountered the Son of Man. And we say, what about the Son of God? Now, he came as man on earth. The devil tried to tempt him as the Son of God. He, because the Father just said, 
This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And when the first temptation came along, you're, you're hungry, Jesus. Surely you have the power to change those bread. You, you, you really need it. You know, you really need some food. You're a little bit skinny now, and you're desperate, and you know you need food. So turn those stones to bread. He says, no, no, man. He says, don't talk to me as the son of God. Talk to you as the man, the son of man. He says, I'm not identifying on the vertical. I'm identifying with humanity. That will identify with, you, with the vertical. So he came as man like you and I so that you and I could be like him and do what he could do. Because as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. So we often think, no, only Jesus can do that. No, only you can do this. Because you're here. He's given that authority and power to you. All authority in heaven and on earth. All authority over whatever else there is that has a kingdom on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, I send you to go and do the same as me. So if the church awakens to the fact that it has authority and power, stuff's going to change around us. You will change. So you have the ability, because Jesus lived as a perfect man without sin on earth, bringing back what the first Adam lost. He is the last Adam. The first Adam was a life-giving soul. The second Adam is a life-giving spirit. 1 Corinthians 15, 54, I think it is. He is a life-giving spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes in you. See, you're a more potent human being than Adam was because you have the power of God living in you, pulsating in your veins. You're a phenomena walking this planet. Demons recognize you. You're the light of this world. You have the ability to change what's around you. The thing is you've got to get this thing into gear to realize, yes, Lord, I don't understand it, but be it done to me as you say. Boom, something happens. That's faith. That's a whole new life. It's terrifying to the powers of darkness. I'm excited. The bacteria, leprae, little bacilli tubules or the waxy coat with tentacles sticking all out of it. It's like a hair thing. You know those hair curler things? Very similar to to a bacilli. Don't put it in your hair (laughs) because I might grab your head. (laughs) You know, so... Sorry about that. <laughs> but that thing, so here's the first time that little basala is thinking, yeah, we're here, we're eating flesh, we're having a great time in this body. Suddenly they think, that, that's what's the, the, first, the first pages of the royal physician. I wrote a little story about that, about how, how this actually happens in your arterials, and your blood system. The power of God, the finger and hand touches. Jesus touches leprosy. He's instantly condemned according to the laws, being unclean, and has to isolate and go into quarantine. You heard that word? Quarantine. He doesn't. He doesn't go into quarantine because he's immune, and he gives us immunity. He touched that bacilli, and the bacilli suddenly said, oh, no, this I hear thunder. I've just seen lightning go down this artery. It's the word of God goes down because the word of God touched him. And so the bacilli shrink up against the walls. Of, I'm just telling you a little bit about the book. The, up the walls of the artery because they know this is over. They thought they had the power. They always advanced. But now suddenly the kingdom of God's here and they have to retreat. In fact, be terminated. And the power of God pulsates down there. The, 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 the mitochondria, the mRNA and the DNA, the deoxyribonucleic acid, deo, God, deoxy, oxygen. 
God gave man oxygen in the atmosphere to live on earth. Ribo, ribo means master, means Jesus, means Lord and master. Deoxyribonucleic, in the center, nuclei, in the center of the acid where the power, the fire of the Holy Spirit is. The DNA in you is the representation of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in you. And you carry them around inside you. And the mRNA, the messenger ribonucleic acid, is those who have the great commission to go, messengers. We are also the mRNA that bring this message to the world because we are the messenger carriers of the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't God amazing? Look at yourself. Take your eyeball out and put it there and look at yourself <laughs> and say, I am amazing. Look at the person next to you and says, we are dangerous. And we need to say it. We are dangerous. Boom. We are. <laughs> Step aside, Kiwi Haka. We've got something more. So these things suddenly go backwards for the first time. That's why it's recorded. The worst disease in the whole universe in that day is that thing. What's the worst disease in the whole universe in the day right now? Don't say it. It's not because there's worse stuff than that little scruffy little thing that's trying to... <laughs> we need to become unmasked out there, friends, with the word of the gospel. I'm not talking about taking this thing off. We need to take something off our brain to be able to say, I'm going to testify to you whether I like it or not, whether the government agrees or there's freedom of speech or whatever. Step aside. We stand under a higher authority over every kingdom. All authority has been given over every government, everything. We are Superior, because the kingdom of God is at hand. It's a little different, isn't it? That's how you need to conduct your life, young man, that you'd become dangerous out there. You're born again, saved, spirit-filled, water-baptized. You're qualified, 100%. You've got your wings. You can fly with the Holy Spirit. Okay? You've got your weapon, all nine of them. Just throw a few grenades out there and soften them up. Okay, I've got to land back down. Where am I here? Leviticus 14. <laughs> Leviticus 14. This is the Old Testament. And I love it the way in the Old Testament there's shadows of the cross. New Testament, the cross, you've got the you, New Testament side, there's the light of the world, Jesus Christ. He's shining. He's risen up in heaven. He's shining on the cross. And the shadow of the cross goes all through the Old Testament. There's shadows of it that reflect into the future. And here's this, Leviticus 14. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall, be, this shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing, of his healing. How's that, eh? So we've read the real thing. Now this is how they used to do it. Um, now he shall be brought before the priest. And the priest shall go out the outside of the camp. Thus the priest shall look. And if the infection of leprosy has been healed in the leper, he if the priest shall give orders. Give orders. The priest shall give orders to take two live clean birds and cedarwood and a scarlet string and hyssop for the one who is to be cleansed. Then the priest shall give orders to slay the one bird in the earthen vessel over the running water. As for the live bird, he shall take it together with a cedarwood and a scarlet thread and the hyssop, and shall dip them in the live bird in the blood of the bird that was slain 
over the running water. He shall then sprinkle seven times the one who is to be cleansed from the leprosy and shall pronounce, pronounce him clean. He shall declare him clean, clean and shall let the living bird go free over the field. The one who is cleansed then shall be washed his clothes and shaved off his hair, bathe in water and be clean. Okay, so there we go. What is this? Let me just bring these things to you. So I want you to know how the priest is involved. Friends, how more important in those days, the church had full authority over sickness. They were the doctors. The priests were the doctors. Doctors didn't exist in those days. So here he is. You give orders. Go and get two birds. If you're a leper, you can't work. You can't buy a sheep. You can't buy a goat. You can't buy an ox. So what do you do? You go and get two birds. They breed everywhere. They fly everywhere. In cities, there are pigeons that live around there. Grab two birds, live. Bring them to the priest. So they're the cheapest offering there is. So God's trying to make it so easy for people to be healed. Who Those who can't work, who can't walk around. Just get two birds. They're simple. They sleep at night. You catch them. <laughs> Any those guys around here? You know, bunny huggers. Tough. You shall go and get cedar wood. That's the cross. And the scarlet string, verse 4, that is the stripes on Jesus' back. And the hyssop, the bitterness that was offered to him on the cross for the one to be cleansed. The priest shall give orders to slay the one bird in an earthen vessel. That's Jesus' death and burial as he is represented by the birds. He's slain and put into this clay earthen tomb pot over running water. Because the water of God, the rivers of salvation, constantly flow through here. As for the live bird, he shall take it together with a cedar wood. In other words, the piece of wood is strapped to that bird as Jesus was strapped to the cross. And the scarlet string, because he was swept on his back 39 times. And the hyssop, the bitterness of what was going through. And he shall dip them in the live bird in the blood of the live in the pot. So imagine you being the live bird. You go into your mate's blood and water and you come out seven times. And each time he does this upon the naked leper standing in front of him. In and out. Death, burial, and resurrection seven times. Why seven times? Well, simply because there's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah Shalom, our peace. He's Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He is Jehovah Nissi, our banner. Jehovah Sidkenu, our righteousness. And Jehovah Rohe, our shepherd. Seven names of God, his full character. His full character is right there. See, sometimes we come to Jesus just for, oh, Jesus, just want peace. Jehovah Shalom, just give me peace. No, he says, I'm everything else too. I'm not a fragment to you. I'm a wholesome to you. That's why he says, be whole. Your faith has made you. Why? Because you understand every bit of character of who Jesus is. He's Jehovah. Oh, I tell you what. And so every time he did that, a representative of who he is. He died just as peace because he brought peace. Righteousness, he is our righteousness. He is our healer. Yeah, he is our banner because we are victorious. We're above all and in all. He's our shepherd, the great shepherd. All of those were given at that time to him. And so the other names of him, he is also Adonai. 
the Lord and Master of the universe. When you see big L, small O-R-D in your Bible, that is the word Adonai in your Bible. You just read it as Lord. No, it's Lord. It means He's Lord and Master of the universe. So when He's referred to as Lord, something in your Bible with a capital L, it means that He at that point being referred to in prayer or being spoken about is the Lord, the Master of the universe. If He's Elohim, He's the God of law and order, the sovereign creator of the universe, the names of God. He's El Ilion, the God most high. He's El Olam, the God of the ancient of days. He is God. And when he talked about him in the Old Testament, his name was Y-H-W-H. Because they couldn't work out what his real name was, we call him Yahweh. And those names sound like that in the, in the Bible. But actually, when they said it in the Old Testament, they couldn't say it. They whispered it. They couldn't say it out loud because of the great respect they had for him. Today, we use it as a swear word. We don't respect him for who he is. I am the Lord, your God. And then he priests will take orders, and you'll do that with the birds, with a scarlet string to hyssop, dip them, and that bird is in and out. And you'll sprinkle it seven times. The one is to be cleansed from the leprosy and shall pronounce him clean. What did Jesus do when he said, I am willing, be clean? Boom. There was something there. He was. He stood before him as these two birds. He stood before him as the God as these two birds represented him in the Old Testament. And you shall take the live bird and cut the string around its feet. Thou shalt cut the stripes, sever them, and then let the bird go. That is the bird. Where does he go? He flies free to the fields that he wants to go. So representing the scapegoat. Like in the Old Testament back there too in Leviticus earlier on, they bring the goats, two goats into the Old Testament, and the priest would kill the one goat and the blood would satisfy the wrath of God of sin. You see, sin, sin, when you sin, you're inviting the wrath of God upon you. When you keep walking in sin, you're inviting the wrath of God upon you. When the unsaved are walking in the wrath of God that is to come upon them, they don't know. That's why the cross, the blood, the, the, the truth of the word of the cross sets them free from God's wrath. Mercy invited his God's judgment deflected. But if you want to walk in, walk in God's judgment, mercy is deflected. And that's the quick kind of truth around the cross. And so the message is don't come to God's wrath in the last time, in the last day, in the day. Capital D in your Bible, the day. No one knows it, but it's coming. And on that day, there is judgment upon those who haven't accepted this message, this truth of the gospel. This is why the church exists. It, is, it exists. It exists in George for you to go and tell people about the truth of this word. They are sick, but they will be healed. Salvation and, and heal, healing comes to the body. Briefly, there's another story of, of a man and kings, and it's just centered around the seven. And you know who this man is, and I don't want to take time reading it because it says, verse 11, 2 Kings 5, 11, it is found. Verse, seven, verse, nine, verse 9, did I say? Okay. So Norman came with his horses and his chariots and stood in the doorway of the house of Elisha. 
Elisha sent out a messenger to him and said, go wash in the Jordan seven times. Hello, there we go. And your flesh will be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman was furious and went away and said, behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, not my God, his, his God. In other words, it's, it's your thing that you do, but I'm not part of it. And wave his hand over the place to cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? In other words, they're less muddy than this, this river. And uh, where am I at now? And the, and you'll be cured. So he, he was up the muff tree. He thought because he was Naaman, the great general, everyone's going to bow down to him. You see, arrogance and pride and self-worth and stuff, when you come to healing, doesn't help. When you think God's going to heal you a certain way, you think, only if that way comes, then I know I'm going to get healed. It doesn't work. It's when you come and you humble yourself, like the leopard did. Boom, on his knees, then looked up and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me. See, that is the perfect place in humility. Naaman didn't do that, but he did repent, and he did go get in the water, and he did dip seven times. Why seven? Names of God. Where was the word? It was sent into the river, waiting there. Not that river, this river. I sent my word and healed them. So yeah, I might have shared this with you before, but I love the illustration I heard from a preacher up in Africa. Somebody says, this guy got into the water, and there was the word swimming around with a fish. And my version of it is the fish said, what in the world is that thing doing in here? We've never seen one of those. I think one of those things created us, and is talking about the word of God swimming around amongst the fish. And the fish suddenly were eyeballing creation in the muddy river, and they knew they're there for a purpose. You know, fish, yeah. So, 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 so you've got these little arrows cruising around in there, and Norman gets in, and Dups. The fish gap it because they, that means they left because they took one look at Norman and said, oh my goodness, we out of here. Sorry, that's my version, Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> he goes in, he keeps dipping, sex. You know, you've got to just be patient. Patient in healing. Dips comes up, dips goes down. Keep doing, being faithful in the little things. You'll get the big thing. On dip number six, those words of God, I am the Lord that healeth thee, got into position like cruise missiles. You know, destructive forces of the dark side, not our side. He goes in the seventh time. The word penetrates him. He sent his word. Wham! The word of God goes into him because he's completed the instruction of the orders of the priests, the orders. You see, the Bible is not a suggestion. There are orders in there. The Great Commission is not a great permission. It's a great command. It's go. It's, it's more than that. And sometimes we read the Bible says, well, that's a good idea. No, it's God speaking. I am, am telling you. Not, don't argue. I am telling you. If we take that word of God and say, yes, sir, like the centurion, I will absolutely obey, I don't, but I'll obey like Mary, the little teenager. Look what she did. Imagine her reputation in the world. So Norman did, and he came out clean. See the seven things. Who is this great God? Would you go to Numbers 21.6? Numbers 21. 
Where are we? Here's a, a nation wandering around in the wilderness. And um, they start murmuring and complaining. And the um, Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and that many people of Israel died. You say, well, how come the Lord allowed that to happen? Well, when you, when you do not obey him according to Exodus 15.26, when you obey his word, if you pay attention to his word and do what he tells you, and you obey his commands, he'll not permit the agents of the curse to affect you. He does not give them... You see, God controls even what goes on. He controlled what happened to Job. He controlled... He said, you can touch him, but don't kill him, because I'm telling you, you don't mess with my boy, because he's going to come back to me and be righteous and faithful. And all that Job went through, he came back and he was, he repented and got back to where he was. So he came under the umbrella of protection. And so here are these guys wandering in the wilderness, you know, Holy Spirit, cloud by day, fire by night. In other words, there was light 24-7 for 40 years in the wilderness. They walked in the light in the place of lostness. And so they started murmuring, complaining. As soon as you do that, you invite trouble. So the people came to Moses, we have sinned. See, they confess, we have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord. And you intercede with the Lord that we may remove these serpents from us. Moses did. Moses said, God said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on the standard, a pole. And it shall come about that whoever, anyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it up on the standard, and it became a place where everyone could see. So those people who were bitten, they had a chance to be healed. And so you're bitten in the desert. If you can get your head up and you can look at this bronze serpent, the image of the very thing that bit you, you could live. The poison leaked out into the sand and went up onto the bronze serpent. That's my interpretation. See, a snake can't kill you. What it gives you kills you. Sin, sickness, two teeth. And if you walk in unbelief, you walk in sin, you walk out of the realm of the healer himself. You walk into your own realm. See, you can't see me. I'm walking away from the presence of God. So I'm just playing with a camera and stripes on the ground. Hello, I'm back. I've repented. It's coming back. <laughs> it's a good illustration, you see. You guys are famous. <laughs> it's coming back into that. And so what they had to do is they had to look. And that word look is to constantly look. And may I say this, it's not looking at the Moses Ministries International.orgza.com. It's not looking at the preacher's ministry. Oh, if I go to that meeting, like, like Norman did, if only, you know, you see, you've got his plan. No, no, it's to him. And it's not anything else. You gaze at that serpent. You look at the word. Keep it in the midst of your heart. That's what it says in Proverbs 4, 22. Keep the word in the midst of your heart, in the center of your sight. It's continually there. Why? Because in John 3, 14, it says, and Moses, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. John 3, 14. Boom, there it is. 
And of course, you know the rest. And whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Those wonderful scriptures of the power of God. So we're looking at some of the Old Testament and here, what actually happened? Why is that cross so powerful? Here's the thing, Bethlehem. Bethlehem to, to the Jews means house of bread. House of bread because man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Matthew 4.4, 4. that's what Jesus said to the Satan and the temptation in the wilderness. He's the house of bread because the bread is, is where life is. Jesus was there. He is actually the bread. I am the word. I am made flesh. I am that. But also in the same town of Bethlehem, there was also the house of meat. To the Arabs, it was known, the town was known as a house of meat. To the Jews, it was known as a town of bread. Two tribes living in the same town, different hills, different things going on. To the Arabs, they grew wheat. They grew, uh, um, sorry, they, they farmed sheep. Uh, on the other side, they grew wheat, which was the Greek side. So you've got these two, you've got meat and wheat. <laughs> Meaty, wheaty town. But the Arabs grew, they produced sheep for the Passover slaughter. So in other words, that sheep was royal sheep because it was going to be brought before God. It was a royalty. It was a different. It was a breed of sheep that David had. And so those sheep were out there, and they bred them so that the lambs were ready at Passover because if you have a nation that's going to bring their lamb to the slaughter to get atonement, how many lambs do you need for a nation? How much blood's going to flow again on the altar? What is the lovely work of being a priest of the Lord is? Nothing but a slughouse deluxe at the temple. But then you see also those lambs, when they were born, most of them, when they came out, they were put in a manger, strapped up and put in a manger, so they would not hurt themselves, so they'd be without spot, wrinkled, perfect, without deformity. They were perfectly maintained just after birth in that manger there. Was not Jesus wrapped up in swaddling clothes too as the perfect lamb and put in a manger just like those lambs were the natural animals, but he was the lamb to come. That's why he was born there in the manger as well. Any lamb that was born any mother lamb that lost a lamb or a mother died, if there were orphan lambs, one of two things would happen. The Gentile nation is similar to this. The lamb that was alone would have the blood of the dead lamb put upon it to cover it. So when the mother, you, turned around and sniffed the foreign lamb that's not hers, she would smell the blood of her own lamb on there and instantly accept it, and that lamb would suckle and grow in respect to being a full-blooded sheep, grow in respect to salvation, desire the sincere milk of the Word of God. The Scriptures are wrapped up in that, as it is said. So the lamb was accepted because the, her own one lamb that she lost. You see, we are adopted into the kingdom. When the blood of Jesus is upon us, God smells his son upon us and says, you're welcome. It's not by might, not by power, it's by the Holy Spirit that he accepts you. If that doesn't work and the mother doesn't get it, so what you would do is you'd skin 
the other lamb, and you'd take the dead lamb's skin off, and you'd put that upon the lamb that's to be accepted, so that that lamb, again, the mother would, it was kind of wrapped around the living one, that other skin. It was, they knew, the shepherds knew how to do this. So this little dude was walking around covered by something else. So it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 14 says, Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Put on a new self. Put off the old clothes. Put on the new self. And here it is in Colossians, it is referred to that. Take off your grave clothes. Put on your grace clothes. There's another comparison. And so, is, would it not, would I suggest, would it not, this is revelation I got this morning, would it not be the fact that we would be covered by his protection? You shall be clothed from on high with the power of the Holy Spirit. See, there's this reference going back through the scriptures to these points. Another point is this. These lambs, and on that day, if you can imagine what happened when Passover was going on. We've got in the Bible the point of the fact that Jesus was the lamb that was being led, carrying the cross, walking up the hill, being beaten on his back, crown of thorns upon his head, spat upon, beard pulled out, and, and he was messed up and sworn at and cursed and a whole lot of things. He had, I think he had five holes in his body from that, the last one being the spear that went into his heart where blood and water came out. Isn't it interesting that Adam, the first Adam, had Eve come from his side by his heart, a rib over his heart. Jesus, the last Adam, had a spear into the area where that rib should have been, but blood and water came out, and that's where Adam's bride was a rib. We are the bride of Christ through the blood and water that was on the cross because that's what you have, your salvation and water baptism. (sighs) Yes, there you go. The bird was dipped in blood and water. Absolutely. So, so here you go. I want you to picture this town. The little lambs for the unsaved. The, the ritual, the Passover. How many lambs were going down that road, being herded into that town where Jesus was to be crucified? And here was Jesus leaving town to go up on the hill to be a public, public, not private, public, not in the temple, but open air, public for the whole world to come to. Here, hundreds of these little lambs going down. Families taking their lamb, their representation. Here's the thing. Help me, Lord. It's your fault, man. (laughs) The priest would say, do you love this lamb to a family? And they'd say, yes. He says, you've got it for five days. Treat it as a member of the family. It's yours. It's like a child in your house. The kids would love that. So it's in your house, and you treat it, and you keep it close. You know its character. You smell it. It's, it's there with you every second of the day. It's part of your family. It becomes a part of you. And now you've got to go and take it up that hill to, to the temple to where the priest is. And he'll again ask you, do you love this lamb? 
and the family will say, yes, good, because when you lose something you love, it counts. And the lamb is slain, innocent, right there on the ground. Did not Jesus say to Peter, who said, I don't know you, Lord. What did he say? Do you love me? I'm your lamb. Why did you not love me? Why did you deny me? Why did you not accept me out there when I looked at you? The cock crowed. Do you love me? Yes, feed my lambs. Isn't it interesting how the Lord just brings it back to you, gives you a second chance the whole time? The whole time. Those lambs were in there. Jesus, he died on the cross and he said, it's finished. Like you said, Basson, this morning. John 19.30. It says this. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. Here's the point. When Jesus said it on the cross, the high priest with the lambs synonymously, is that the right word? Synonymously. At the same time. Simultaneously. Simultaneously. There you go. Wonderful. (laughs) He said, with the last lamb being killed at Passover, he said, it's finished. I've done the last one. Time's up. We have to bury it. Jesus also said from the, from the cross, it is finished. They're both the high priest of man's religion, but our high priest in heaven for all us as priesthood of believers. He said, it is finished. He said, he said kala, which is the, the Greek word, or t- sorry, the, the Arabic word. He said kala. Jesus said kala, both of them. Or tetelestia is what the Bible says. It is finished. And what happened immediately after that? is the veil in the temple ripped from top to bottom. Religion was shredded. Boom. No more the need for killing of sheep. No more butchering. No more blood flow. The lamb was there. People came out of the grave because the power of death and sin had been broken. Darkness came because the Son of God there on the cross, the Son of Man, died. A different, the sun was in full blaze. But another light, the light that Jesus or God spoke, let there be light in Genesis 1-1 that happened before the fourth day when the sun was made. See, there's another light in Revelation. When you walk away from God, the light of God goes out in you, yet everything looks normally around you, but something dies within you when you deny the Lord Jesus. You don't walk in the light. It's not the light of, oh, I've got a torch. No, it's a light of revelation that God wants to put in you. It's the Spirit of God. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're a whole new person. You're a different breed of humanity. You are the perfect human being because that is what God wants us to be. When you come back and you come to Jesus, you have a chance to come back to him. That is where you come back to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, all through this wonderful book, There are echoes, there are reflections, there are shadows of the real truth of who he is. Do you love him? Do you love me, Jesus says. Go and and take this gospel out there. Are you sick? Receive your healing right now in Jesus' name. It is finished. You don't have to carry it. You don't have to go to a second opinion. You consider it done, finished. If he says, 
Lord, if you're willing, can you make me whole? I am. I am willing. He said the first two names of who he is, I am. The Lord you healer, I am willing. If he kept on saying who he was, I don't know what would have happened. There would have been earthquakes. You see, he had to be careful what he said. When they, when they came to him and said, are, are you the Lord, are you the, the one that's saying that you're the king of the Jews? He said, I am he. If he just said, I am, oh. Thank goodness he said, I am he. And what happened to them? They fell over the power of God. I am he. Wow, those guys fell over. The power of the supernatural was there. You're the son of man, like us, like you, sir, the son of man. Consider yourself to be in that position with him. As the Father has sent him as the same way as he has sent Jesus, he has sent you. You. I love the response. <laughs> you know, it's typical, isn't it? I would have said, yeah, you serious, me? Let me go and pick a fight with the devil. Where is he? Satan, come here. I want to sort you out, you scruffy little rat, you. And kick you so hard you'll land on the next planet somewhere. Yeah, that's, that's it. You see, the kingdom of God suffereth violence and the? And the? Take it by force? No, yes. I'll take that by force. Watch me. When? Sometime next year. So you need to do it now. You need to be voracious. You need to grow those fangs. You need to... Go to the gym, need to run 500 Ks in five seconds. You know, just that kind of mentality, right? Because we need to go and, I'm going to say it, kick ass out there. Yeah, we're so polite, aren't we? So polite. No, come on, come on, stand up on your feet. Just do something different. Come on, stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet. Yeah, this is, okay, put your hands in your air. Too slow, put your hands down again. Put your hands in the air. Put your hands in the air. Ah, yeah. So you need to listen to the word of God. All right. Slap a high five next to you gently with someone who's older than 60. Okay, stop, stop, stop talking to each other. This is, this is, turn around four times, four times. And see if you can still stay standing after that. Amen. Bless you. Have a great morning.